0: I'm Brad Lominek, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast. This, of course, is the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Of course, I'm Jared Hogue, and I'm joined with Roman Johnson.
2: Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. I hope you're doing uh, amazing, maybe driving along the highway, uh, maybe get your windows down, maybe you're sitting in your office listening to this. Wherever you are listening to this, I hope that you're having a, a great time, and you're going to get a lot out of this episode.
1: Absolutely. Roman, this is episode number 30. Three zero. 30. That's awesome, man. That is man. crazy, man. Uh, man, we've just been so fortunate with this podcast. When we launched it, we had no idea if anyone would listen, besides our moms. Yeah. Um, and it has grown. It has grown beyond that by quite a bit.
2: Definitely, yes, yeah, it's been really awesome. It's been a been
1: a been a wild ride. It has been a wild ride. We're so grateful. We've got some m- many, many more amazing interviews coming up uh, for you in the not too distant future. Uh, we've got an interview with Beth Vaughn coming up. She is uh, one of the. She's over the creative team at Life Church. In, uh, Edmund, They've done Oklahoma. a thing or two. Yeah, you know they had like eighty-one thousand people in attendance not too long ago. <laughs> got this a few a, campuses. A <laughs> uh, we've got an interview with Onika McClellan. She is uh, the she is Earl McClellan's wife, who is the senior pastor of a church called Shoreline in Dallas, Texas, and she has just had some phenomenal success with their women's ministry. Awesome. And how it has come alongside and just impacted the church in a huge way. We've got an amazing interview with her coming up. Lee Cockrell is coming back on the back show. Back for a sophomore. Yeah, it's awesome. And we've got some amazing interviews coming up for you. And uh, today is is no exception. I, I am absolutely honored to have Brad Lominick on the show Uh, Brad is the author of H3 Leadership, Humble, Hungry, Hustle. The book is broken up into three parts. It is an amazing book, and our conversation today is just phenomenal. I love Brad, love his heart, love what the guy has done. and I'm not going to give too much away because it, the, the interview is just outstanding. Uh, so we'll get to that here in just a second. But folks, as you know, this, this podcast is brought to you by creativesheep.org. Roman, if someone were to, to meander over to creativesheep.org, yeah. what might they find there?
2: Well, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find premium media, tailor-made, curated for the church. I don't think I used the word curated right because we made it. We didn't find it. We made this stuff for the church. And it's going to connect. It's going to be effective for the moment that you want to use it for in your
1: service. That's right. So whether you're looking for something for Father's Day, you're looking something for Christmas, Easter, really any time of year, head on over to creativesheep.org and we've got you covered. Folks, we're going to jump into today's One Question. One
2: question, one question.
1: It's time for One Question. Roman, I've got one question for you. Okay, it's actually not one question. It's it's a several questions. Okay, which well, kind of violates the whole one question bumper. That just you so just everyone heard. knows, I don't know what he's going to ask me right now. You know, Roman, with the title of Brad's book, H three leadership, humble, hungry, hustle. Uh, these are actually three words I would use to describe you. Oh, really? Thanks. I appreciate are, that. They are. Uh, you are. You are such a humble dude. Uh, you are. You are extremely hungry. Uh, we have built this business basically on your back. Um, as far as the creative side (laughs) goes, Paints a nice
2: picture for everybody. It it
1: does. Roman is our creative director. If you didn't know that. And, um, one thing I've seen about you down through the years is you're insanely hungry to learn more and to find out what you don't know. Yeah. Um, all of your design skills and editing skills and motion graphics skills for the most part, you're self-taught.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, is that a question? It, it of sorts. So
1: yeah, what, what, why the push to this?
2: Uh, well, I I kind of started all because I was uh, just thrown into the fire in my first job working at 180. Uh, I kind of youth
1: ministry of church yeah, on the, the move. The youth ministry of course. church on
2: the move. Um, I was, I was the guy who was over me kind of got let go, and I basically inherited the video department, and I had never made a video by myself pretty much, and so a lot of it started out of necessity of like, I've got to figure this out so I don't look like an idiot. Uh, and then it just turned into, um, you know, if I don't teach myself how to do these things, it's it, it's just me wanting to be better at what I do um, and not just for me because I was doing work for the church. And so I'm doing God's work. So I've got to be good and I've got to be excellent with the things that he's, you know, entrusted me with.
1: Which is amazing. I love, I absolutely love your heart. And one of the things I would ask along with this is when, when you were learning all of this, did you have any idea that you would have a reach that goes around the world?
2: No, that still doesn't really sink in <laughs> that, that we have stuff that plays in Australia and New Zealand and all these different areas. Um, absolutely not. No, I, you don't think about those things when you're, when you're just kind of in the heat of it and creating things. Um, I, I was more creating for myself, like what I would want to see. And, uh, and then we, you know,
1: put it out there and, and it, people, people like it. And then of course you've got just an incredible work ethic. You're, you're, you're a hustler. You're a hustler baby. Yeah. As Jay-Z might say. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes back to, uh, you know, I've, I've done, uh,
2: martial arts my whole life. I think a lot of it is rooted in A black belt, that. I am, if I'm not mistaken. I am a black belt, um, it's very discipline-focused, very um, hustle. I mean, you gotta you got to be a hustler to, to kind of excel in uh, in martial arts, and in, in basketball, sports play a big role. Um, yeah,
1: I like being a hustler. Humble, hungry, hustle. Roman, you're an all-star. It's an honor to work with you, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate Absolutely. the kind words. Uh, folks, that's today's One Question. Question, one question, one, one, one question. I am so excited for this interview with Brad Lominick today. Folks, he has written an incredible book called H3 Leadership, as we have alluded to several times and including in the one question, even though it wasn't really one question, uh, it was several statements. Uh, Anyhow, Brad has written this amazing book, and that's the majority of our conversation today. But Brad is also the former CEO of Catalyst, uh, which is just an amazing uh, organization doing some incredible things. And today's conversation with Brad and him talking about your purpose, your calling, um, down to your assignments, Roman, I'm just, it brought such a fresh perspective of purpose, which can seem like such a vast thing and almost an overwhelming thing, I think, to a lot of people. And Brad breaks it down so simply um, that I thought it was uh, just an amazing interview. So uh, enough babbling. Let's get to to today's interview with Brad Lominick. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's a, it's an absolute honor to have you here.
0: Thanks, Jared, and it's good to be with you and to see you. I know I can actually see you on uh, the 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 beautiful technology we call Skype. Isn't that amazing?
1: <laughs> Believe it or not, you are actually our first interview uh, through Skype. Oh, really? Our first ever. So. Um, hopefully this, this, could, goes well. this could be
0: a, this could be something new that you now implement
1: <laughs> it, we're, we're on the cutting edge that's for sure it's that's,
0: creative sheep I'm trying to introduce you to, to new technology that's
1: fair that's fair yeah. which you talk about in your book is staying on the edge of this kind of thing and so apparently right. we're a few steps behind right now <laughs> uh, hey for those out there listening I know uh, I know Brad Lominick is uh, becoming more and more of a household name but for those out there listening that maybe don't know who you are let's let's jump uh, way back here uh, where were you born and raised
0: I was actually born and raised not far from where you are, right now, which is in Bristow, Oklahoma.
1: (laughs) So it's a little
0: small town outside of Tulsa, uh, about five thousand people, and uh, grew up in the in the in the Church of God, the Bristow First Church of God, in Bristow, Oklahoma. Awesome. uh, Yeah, I I was. uh, Yeah, man, spent a lot of time at the Church of God growing up Sunday morning sometimes Sunday night and definitely Wednesday, Wednesday night, um, for youth. And, uh, so it was a great, it's a great small town experience and vibe. And as you know, like Oklahoma man is one of the greatest States, if not the greatest States and the people are amazing, you know? So the fabric of H3 really was like fueled in me and built into me from the dirt of Oklahoma or the clay of <laughs> Oklahoma, the red clay of Oklahoma.
1: Uh, real quick before we move on, are you a Cowboys fan or a Sooner fan or either? Oh,
0: come on, man. Listen. Is that even a question? I'm a Sooner because I went to school at the University of Oklahoma. No doubt. I'm a, I'm a graduate, but I was always an Oklahoma fan. Now, I also cheer for Oklahoma State. I'm not a, I'm not a hey, I hate Oklahoma State because I went to OU. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: obviously, I cheer for OU when they're playing Oklahoma State. Right. I cheer right. for both teams.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, man, side note, I, my first experience at an OU game was actually on a video project that Creative Sheep was working on and we were on the field for the game. It was, it was unreal. What game was this? Uh, Oh man, this was a couple years ago. They were playing, it was the first game of the season. They were playing some terrible team, uh, but being on the field and then in one side of the stadium yelling boomer and the other side of the stadium yelling sooner, yeah, it'll take your breath away. There's there's something oh, yeah. about it.
0: Well, it also for fans who uh, who attend games who aren't Oklahoma fans. It's annoying because <laughs> we do boom. We we know two words. Like we got two words down: Boomer yeah. and Sooner. We just <laughs> do them over and over, over and over. That's all we got.
1: School pride. Uh, uh, so born and raised in Bristow, Oklahoma. Uh, when, let, let's go this route here. When did you meet Jesus or when did you fall in love with Jesus? I know you said you were raised in the church of God. You were there every time the doors were open, but when did you really commit and say, this is, this is the path I'm going?
0: Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I, you know, I was in Sunday school, like (laughs) in elementary and at some point a Sunday school teacher helped us pray the prayer of salvation. And I think it was around, you know, probably age 6 or 7 and then officially I believe I was baptized when I was around 8 so that that would be for me what I consider to be my um you know my salvation moment yeah. is is baptism yeah. and but I was you know I was I was grabbed a hold of God got a hold of me really young and uh you know growing up in the church and being there a lot obviously fueled that but I I was just a I was a kid who Started walking with God really early in life, and you know that that was fueled out of the church experience. But I, I mean, I can remember being eight, nine years old and and in the Word, like studying Scripture. Wow. And So I'm I'm one of those, uh, I guess you could say, either annoying or anointed. I'm not <laughs> sure which, you know. But um, I've been a Christian for a long time, yeah, and uh, that was all fueled out of a really strong foundation of church going in the early days
1: man that's awesome very cool uh it it seems like more and more these days which i I know the stories are out there but it it doesn't seem like these are the norm anymore there's always like a a time of going away and and maybe coming back even for those people that were raised in the church that's kind of my story um but man, that's, that's really, really cool. So started very early on. Did you know this early on that, that, uh, I know you're not in necessarily full-time ministry. I mean, we'll get into some, a little bit more of this later on, but did you know that, uh, leading leaders would be the path you would take even from an early age? You know, Jared, I had
0: a, I had a sense that leadership would be part of my story. I mean, I, I think so many times when you're young, you see the evidence of your your calling and purpose in life, and mm. and the wiring that you have, and the way God has put you together. And I can remember even in first grade, sort of the the um, the the lenses or, or the um, you know sort of the fruit of my wiring and gifting was started to show up. And first day of class in first grade, I mean, I knew all the kids in my class, first and last name. Wow. I, the, the second day of class. I was, you know, making deals in the lunchroom. Um, So I was a connector. I was a bridge builder. I was a, I was a leader. I was willing to, you know, stand out and stand up and, and be out in front. And when you're young like that, you don't, you don't, you don't call that leadership necessarily, but there was a lot of that that was manifested in me and elementary school, you know, I was always the one wanting to run for, for class president or, Whatever that looked like, whatever leadership looked like for, for um, you know, for each season of my life, I've always gone after it, and so I guess you could say yes. I mean, there was there was definitely evidence, but I never knew that I would be, um, in the in the business of leadership. I yeah. mean, that that I didn't even know that was a thing, you yeah. know, at the at the time. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So there were glimpses of it pretty early on. Your gift was already kind of shining through, or as we like to say in the church world anyhow, your gift was shining through from a very early age. Um, so at what point was it—you uh, you grew up in Oklahoma, then you, you went to OU. Were you in Oklahoma the whole time?
0: I was, yeah. Oh, I grew awesome. up in Bristow. Uh, you know, all my all my early years were in Bristow and then went to school in Oklahoma. Gotcha. And so Norman was, you know, that was the first expression of being away from home.
1: yeah. Yeah. So once you moved to Norman and you went to OU, what, what happened after OU? What was the next step for you?
0: Well, I was, I was a history major and graduated with a history degree, which is pretty much worthless. <laughs> uh, you, you don't, you don't do much with a history degree other than maybe teach or go to law school. And I thought I wanted to go to law school. Like I ended up working on a ranch, uh, that a friend of mine had introduced me to out in Colorado and I thought I was going to be there for six months and take a break and ended up staying for six years, which wow. is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I played cowboy for, you know, <laughs> for for several years after college. And it was an amazing experience. It was a a, a working guest ranch. It actually still exists it's called Lost Valley. And, uh, you know, you there's 50 staff and 100 guests. And this place was founded by a friend of people like Billy Graham and Dawson Troutman, the founder of the Navigators, and Jim Rayburn, who founded Young Life, and um, Bob Foster is this is this gentleman's name, and he had really created this ranch with the idea of what would it look like for for uh, for us to create family guest ranch experiences for uh, you know for the average sort of family that wants to go to Disney World or wants to go anywhere else, and so uh, the staff who worked at Lost Valley are you know for the most part were and still are Christians. It's not a it's not a Christian ranch though. And man, hmm. I learned I learned so much about life, about hard work, about about um, you know a lot of the things that now, now again I'm writing about and talking about. Um, and Bob Foster, who you know was seventy five at the time, I was you know in my early twenties. He mentored me for five years. So my my legacy and sort of my mentorship. Uh, line of legacy was just incredible in terms of the man of God that I was a- able to sort of get in line behind mm. and then be able to try to become. And Bob Foster, he had been mentored by you know guys like Cliff Barrows who worked for Billy Graham for many years and Howard Hendricks that was a legendary professor at Dallas Seminary and just these, Dawson Troutman I mentioned from who started The Navigators, all these amazing men of God had mentored Bob, and so as a young twenty-something, I got to be mentored by a seventy-five-year-old man, and it was amazing. I mean, I, you know, there was no connection at all to uh, what I had studied in school, and even what ended up being the next season for me, other than a lot of what I was becoming during those years of working on a ranch was was the who, mm-hmm. you know. The, and I tell young leaders all this all the time, like. Work on your who before you work on your what. Mm. You know your your who will determine your do. Like if you if you focus on the internal, on the character, on the spiritual life, on the the man or woman of God you're becoming when you're in your early twenties and all through your twenties, then that will fuel who what you end up doing over the course of your life and the man or woman you become when you're 75. And so. There was just so much like rich tapestry of my story that was that was based out of again wearing Wrangler jeans and working on a ranch and riding horses and scooping a lot of poop. <laughs> and I, I scooped I co I scooped a, a whole lot. I mean hundreds of thousands of, you know, horse poops across oh, the, across six years.
1: Wow. Man, that'll that'll definitely teach you some work right there. Uh, so, so from the ranch then, uh, what, what happened after the ranch?
0: Well, I, I, I connected with the, with a f- couple of guys who had a consulting practice in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and they had done some work for Lost Valley where I was working. And they, they were sort of the first men that I had met or just business people that I'd met that sort of carried you know, the wall street journal on one hand and the scriptures in the other. Mm -hmm. And they were able to merge these two worlds together in, in a way that was really interesting to me. And so I was just really sort of curious about what they did and the work they did. And they did a lot of consulting with organizations. And I said, Hey, I'm going to come work for you guys. And they were like, ha ha. Yeah. You know, you, you ride horses and you wear Wranglers and, uh, you're a, you know, you're a cowboy. I'm like, well, I only play one on TV basically. Um, I said, I want to come work for you. I want to come learn from you. And so I ended up going to Fayetteville, Arkansas for like four years and worked with this small little consulting practice called Cornerstone Group. And one of our clients was Enjoy, which is Mm. John Maxwell's organization. Yeah. And at the time, this was like 2000, 1999, 2000, we started working with John on a number of initiatives, uh, simulcast events, helping them launch some new brands and doing doing strategy and marketing uh, strategy for his organization. And one of the things that was launching at that point was something called Catalyst. And Mm -hmm. there was a group of young leaders in Atlanta who had launched Catalyst, Gabe Lyons and a guy named Kevin Small and then, of course, Andy Stanley and Maxwell and a bunch of other folks. And so I was a consultant in the early days from the outside trying to help create a business plan for Catalyst and alongside Catalyst. And then as the year went on after that launch and a couple of years into it, I ended up moving to Atlanta, got way more involved with it and then got involved in helping lead it uh, shortly thereafter and then led Catalyst for uh, almost 12 years or was involved in leading it for almost 12 years.
1: Wow. it's quite the journey.
0: Yeah. But it all, it all, it all stems from, uh, Scooping manure man in the in the mountains of Colorado when it when in doubt always look back to your story and find the places where you were in the shadows you know truly I mean that that is my story like I I was at 25 uh really trying to discern what God had for me and I was getting really frustrated Jared like there was a part of me that said what happened like I was you know on the Track of success and big man on campus at OU. And I had all these dreams and felt like I was going to make a huge difference. And I, you know, and um, at 25, I'm scooping manure. And I think God was just whispering to me in those moments, like, no, just be faithful right here where I have you. I've got plans for you, uh, but I want to make sure you're content and willing to get. Down in the trenches Mm. and do some work that nobody cares about and let's see how you how you steward that and and it was it was i just i just push so much back to those moments for now like having a little bit more of a platform and more opportunities that it all stems back to those places in the shadows
1: Man, it's such a it's such an inspiration to a, a young leader like myself, because uh, I mean, you know we, one thing we hear as young leaders all the time is the scripture, if you're faithful with a little God,'ll make you ruler over much. And but I mean literally, <laughs> this is this is exactly that. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, you can't get much lower and, and and I don't mean to demean your story at all, but it, it's probably hard to get much lower than scooping poop. Um, and then to go to the level that you're at now, um, and the things that you've been able to, to do and the people you're associated with, and even what you're doing now is just phenomenal, uh, the work that you've been a a part of. And so it's just very, very cool, uh, to once again, see, see this story played out. Um, and it's a huge inspiration to, I can speak at least on behalf of myself, (laughs) but as young leaders everywhere, this is very inspirational, um. Uh, along this journey, did you uh, you get married, have kids?
0: Man, I'm still single. Like I'm, I'm the most eligible bachelor in Christianity today. I think. I just want to go ahead and throw that out there. Can I just say that on on your podcast, Absolutely. on behalf of of all? Yeah. Now here's here's the here's the reality for me is I I don't know why. Like I'm I'm in my early 40s and never been married. Um, but I'm, I'm open and interested. So, all, you know, all the single ladies who are listening, come on, <laughs>
1: um, uh, man, my sister would kill me for saying this, but Hey, she's in the same boat, never been married. She's, she's 42 now. Um, and if she's listening, right, she's actually coming on the podcast. She's been in in education for 20 years um, and just some, some amazing stories she's got to share, but Hey, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll share some phone numbers after this interview. Um, there we go. So, uh, let's jump in then here. So you, you've gone through this incredible journey. You got plugged in then with, uh, uh, with catalyst at a very early age, uh, leading that. Did you, when you went joined catalyst, did you go in as the CEO or did you kind of rise through the ranks once you got there?
0: Oh, I yeah, I rose through the ranks. I mean, I was, I was just a, I was a guy on the outside, like, providing some strategy and input into a number of things that that John Maxwell's organization was doing, and you know, Catalyst was one of those. It was, it was a, there was you know, a number of different conferences and events and strategic brands that were being launched at that time, and so I got involved. And then in the, the first couple of years, just added sort of my expertise in a few key areas. And then once, um, once we hit like the second or third year of Catalyst, then I got, I kept getting more involved. And then about year four, I, I took over and really started to run the, what I would say the business side of, of Catalyst was. There were still some people like Gabe Lyons and Jeff Schinnebarger and some other guys who were helping creatively and, Programmatically, and um, you know, with some of them were uh, experiential stuff, and then uh, you know, for about I guess then about ten years, I was in the seat of leading the charge. Mm. But you know, we we were really intentional, or at least I was. Um, but it was true from the beginning of Catalyst that we wanted it to feel like and and really be expressed as a movement where it didn't have this point leader who was the hero. And that was really on purpose. There, there was a real sense for us that the the way that Catalyst would be best, um, would best grow and best have impact, would be that it was personality less. Hmm. And so we were, you know, we were intentional from the beginning of, hey, let's make sure this isn't about like one person. It's 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 going to have a number of voices who speak. It's going to have a number of of leaders who are in charge of it. Um, it's going to have a number of people who MC it. And so we love the fact over, over the years that a lot of folks would say, hey, who's behind this thing? Like, who runs this? You know, people would think it's Andy Stanley's thing, and hmm. people would think it was John Maxwell's thing, and people would think it was, you know, it was, they, well, they didn't, they didn't know who it was. And that was actually all very intentional. Because I think for us, like, the you know, the the key was that we we saw – that this needed to be about about a bigger story and than just one person's personality. And, and that was also generational. I mean, we had all of us had worked, you know, with John Maxwell and we love John. Like John is for all of us who work for John, he was our hero, he was our, you know, our mentor. Uh, and John and others in his generation, they built ministries and organizations and movements based really on themselves. Mm. and so for us it was more like let's build something not despite john but but you know we want to build something that feels like it's got um it's it's got a bigger it's got a bigger story than just one person and so that was all really intentional from the beginning
1: gotcha that's very cool very very cool i didn't realize that was the full story of of how all this came about and uh, actually attended my first catalyst event which come to find out you were actually at but uh, was last year at uh, church on the move uh, it was a catalyst one day where Craig Rochelle and Andy Stanley came and talked uh, ministry for the day and it was a phenomenal event you got you guys do they in that organization still just does amazing work uh, putting these events together um, so so then you were at at catalyst for you said I believe it was 12 years and um, and then, what spurred you uh, the the separation between you and Catalyst?
0: There was a big fight. There was a big fist fight in the break room, and <laughs> and I uh, I beat up everybody. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it was I was I was sitting I was sitting at lunch uh, in in August of 2013 with a a guy um, who's impacted me a lot, a guy named Steve Cochran, and he just looked at me and he said, "Hey, you're done." I'm like, "What?" what do you mean I'm done? You mean I'm done with lunch? And he goes, no, you're done. Like you're, this season for you is done. And I it's like, wait, I'm kind of offended by you saying that. He said, well, you're, you're like the boxer who is, you know, in the ring in the, in the 13th, 14th round. And you won't, you won't bow out until you get knocked out. And what he was saying to me was, hey, this season of leading catalyst for you probably needs to, Um, either change the scenario or or the season whether that means you change what you're doing or you go do something else and you know so i had i had gotten to a place jared where the the fueling of my own leadership's story was starting to be done off of an empty tank Mm. like i i was i wasn't burnt out yet but it was a it was a season where everything with Catalyst was up and to the right, meaning that success. We were off the chart, like most attendees. Two thousand thirteen, most attendees we'd ever had. You know, every all the metrics were really were really positive, successful, lots of momentum, healthy. I mean, like we're we're crushing it, we're killing it, we're we're continuing to grow. Like we were growing at at continued rapid pace. But I, as a leader. Um, was starting to get really depleted and I was starting to become unhealthy. And um, the, the you know, this, the, the idea that, that um, the mountaintop for me was starting to really like decay a lot of stuff in me that in the early days of leading, I was, I was way more committed to. And mm-hmm. so I took a break for like four months and out of that sabbatical or break really saw and God revealed to me that, Hey, you know what? like, it's time for you to step out of the way of leading catalyst. And there was no major moral failure. There was no story behind the story, but a lot of that too was based on, you know what? I had done that for 10 years and I kept remembering all the things we had said in the early days, which was, Hey, let's not make it about somebody. Let's, you know, let's be leader less in the sense that if somebody comes to a catalyst event, they're not even sure who puts this on or who's in charge. Um, it was built around the premise that young leaders want to want to what should be running this and I had just 40 in 2013 so I was I was at that stage of hey you're getting old Lominick it might be time for you to move out of the way and let some young bucks step up in here just like just like John Maxwell did for you and others did and so all those things collided Mm. and it you know what it was just time it was just time to get out of the way and I wanted to. I wanted to sort of also. Um, I wanted to be able to be an example, and not that you know I'm the hero in the story, but after like thinking and praying and discerning through all that, I wanted to be able to look people to look at Catalyst and go, look how Brad Lominick stepped out at the height of the pinnacle of Catalyst. He stepped out and and now watch it flourish. And I think that that sort of story needs to be told more and more, in in businesses and ministries and nonprofits and churches of you don't stay around too long as the leader where all of a sudden everybody's going, seriously, it's time for you to get out of the way. Like you end up leaving because you're forced out compared to you end up leaving because, because you're honoring the people behind you and you move out of the way. And I just think that's a better way to lead. I think it, 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 it proves that it's not about me. Um, it never was about me. I was stewarded it well. I stewarded it the best I knew how for a season, and now it's somebody else's turn.
1: Man, that's really good. <clears throat> I love. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tom Mullen's story um, and the transition that Christ Fellowship Church went through from him yeah. to his son. Similar, it's a similar story, and it. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that's that's really really good. So you take the four month sabbatical, and then uh, and then when did you, at what point in there did you decide I'm going to write this book H3 leadership?
0: <laughs> well, what's funny is is that Catalyst leader had been written. My first book was written right around that same time in 2013, mm. in the summer or early you know early summer of 2013. All <laughs> all uh, you know not shortly after then with me stepping out, which was not strategic. If anybody creates a strategic plan around how to launch a book, your first book, it would not be to uh, necessarily step out of the seat that you've been in for many years. But uh, I I actually kind of like the fact that I I made that story really messy in a way that people look at it and go, what? You did what? But H3 Leadership is now the second book for me, and that came out um, earlier, well, this past fall, in the fall of 2015. And... You know that book was, was that's been that's been bubbling up in me for a long time, and the, the the premise that this life mantra of be humble, stay hungry, always hustle that's that's been my life mantra and my uh, I guess you could say my foundational sort of subtitle since I was in my twenties, and so it it never was a it never was a pithy marketing plan or or title idea. It was just a life message for me that ended up making sense to write it coming out of both the, the transition out of Catalyst as well as the idea of, hey, I've, I had to reestablish some things in my own life after that transition that looked like some habits. So the buckets of H3 had existed for a long time. The habits of H3, which there's 20 habits in the book, those habits really were, were me stopping, post catalyst and post stepping out and post sabbatical and post transition and saying, all right, like if I'm going to recalibrate and look at the next thirty to forty years of my own leadership journey, what are the things that are most important? And so, again, all of that was fueled by, um, you know, a transition, a season in life, a, a little bit of a of an intersection, a new intersection, but also a life mantra that it ha- I'd had for a long time.
1: That's really great. And one of the things I loved you talked about in H3 Leadership is that you you talk about how um, this mantra that you had, I know you, you're talking about the humble, hungry hustle, but one of the other things you talked about is that it kind of as a personal mission statement, if you will, uh, that yours is, uh, which I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, you learned fairly early on, is that your role in life was going to be to influence influencers? Is that right? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How, how did I guess? At what point did you realize? And I know we talked about earlier that there were glimpses of this very early on, but even still, to put that language to it, how did you how did you catch that? And at what point did you catch that?
0: Well, I had um, I had a lot of different iterations of it early on. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to call it. Yeah. Um, I You know, I, I think. About the time I was around, uh, I was in my mid-20s, actually, uh, a friend who had actually come out to Lost Valley many times with the, the ranch I was working on, the, a friend who was a guest had come out there many times. And we had a lot of conversations over over horseback rides, you know, mm. for several years in a row. And he, he helped me like navigate through that, that statement. And I would sort of express, hey, because he would always say, hey, Brad, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you know, I w- we would talk, and finally one day he said, "I feel like your feel like your your role in life is to is to impact the impactors." And I said, "Well, huh? That's interesting." And he said, "No, I think you're supposed to lead leaders, influence the influencers," and and then it just stuck for me. It was like, "Okay, got it." And then you know, looking back again, like looking back on life at that point, all of the things that I had seen in me started to make sense. And I, at first, it felt like an arrogant statement. Jared, like it felt like something that I I almost had to say to people after I said it, Oh, well, here's what I really mean. And that was another thing that, you know, people would say, no, don't apologize for that. That this is, this is your sense of calling. And, and many times it shows up for me, like not just in, um, aggregating. So Catalyst is a great example. You know, I built, I was part of building a platform That others could stand on. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, like the way I influenced the influencers through Catalyst was I gathered. I was part of putting a platform together that gathered thousands of leaders, and that I could put my friends on the platform on the stage and let them inspire people. And you know, at Lost Valley Ranch, I I influenced people on horseback. I mean, I never knew this when I was there, but it made so much sense. Leaving, people who would come to Lost Valley were like. Captains of industry. They were, they were CEOs of organizations. They were leaders of the largest churches and ministries in the world. They like I didn't, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't realize that they were all coming out there for a family guest ranch vacation experience. But man, once I was there, it was like, oh my gosh! Like, do you know who I just took on a horseback ride? And <laughs> and you know, I'm and and so now like that makes sense. And so everything in my life has been. Has been fueled out of that, and you know now what I'm doing is, I'm, I'm really impacting a few, so I'm impacting tens compared to impacting thousands through coaching and advising, and uh, you know trying to be strategically connected to a few organizations and a few leaders that then are truly like the ones who are aggregating the thousands of people. And so I've gone from being the aggregator to now coaching the aggregators, mm. and that, that's a whole new season for me, which is, again, it all connects back to influence the influencers.
1: You keep saying these seasons, and one of the things I thought was fascinating in this book is that you talk about the um, how everything that you've done essentially goes back to that statement of the influencing the influencers but the seasons and the assignments have changed along the way. Do you mind? Do yeah. you mind explaining that a little bit further?
0: No, I'd love to because it's it's a huge aha. Uh, it was for me, and I think it is for lots of leaders.
1: Absolutely, it was and super eye opening for me.
0: the the real The real simple perspective on it is if you think about the three layers of your of sort of your your identity and your purpose. Um, so let's start at the top layer. It's it's, it's it is identity and it's 60,000 foot if we if we look at it from you know um, the, the the height at which planes fly, you know I mean you're you're flying really high, it, it's the idea that identity is unchanging is the highest level of sort of your foundation. And so that's that's I'm Brad, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm from Oklahoma, I'm a part of a family, my last name's Laac. Oh, that's that's who I am. And identity it truly, expresses your who. Um, the, the next level down is your calling. And your calling, let's say it's you know 20,000 feet. And your calling is the why, which is the, it's, it's answering the question, why are you here? And so that's really where you find the, the connection between your passions and strengths. So for me, my calling statement is to influence influencers. That's where I feel like my strengths line up with my passions. I love leadership. I love people. I love influencers. I, I'm I'm drawn to people who have who make a difference, and I have strengths in in that I am a leader, but I'm also a connector. I'm a I'm a platform builder, you know. I'm a movement creator, all that stuff. So that's strengths and passions coming together, and then the the, the last level is the the lowest level, which is your um, assignments. And assignments really expresses what you do. So that's that's a job. That's a vocation. That's a project that's that's these different seasons of assignment that then should reflect your calling which also then will hopefully reflect and embody your identity what happens so often with with people and with leaders but all of us is we confuse assignment and identity mm. and so all of a sudden when we're at a dinner party and somebody says hey tell me about yourself the first thing we say usually is what we do, mm. you know. Well, I, I run Catalyst. You know, I'm an, I'm a pres. I'm the president of the of an organization called Catalyst, and we gather leaders. Well, okay, that was my assignment that should have reflected my calling statement of influencing influencers, which then should be evidence of my identity. But if man, if I wrapped my identity around my assignment, so Catalyst Brad, all of a sudden is dead. I mean, he, he got shot to death. Hmm. Um, what happens to my identity? Is my identity totally dismantled? It, you know, am I depressed for the rest of my life? Am I, am I just wallowing, wallowing around in, in misery? Well, I might if, if, I'm not, if I don't understand correctly that that's just a season of assignment. Like Catalyst was a season of assignment. It was a chapter in the book, and now I'm on to the next chapter. And so many times we get so wrapped around our our assignment that then you know ends up like being all of our identity. I mean, you see it with athletes. When athletes, when 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 an athlete retires from the NFL, it's so hard for them because everything in their life has their, has, their identity has been built around football, and all of a sudden that identity's taken away. Now what? Are, yeah. are they are they done? Like is their life over? No, it's just that was an assignment that should reflect this bigger sense of calling on their life, which also should give evidence then to the true sense of who they are. And you know, the church, man, the church, and I love the church. I'm all for the big C church, but sometimes in the church, we we don't help people with this. We mm. actually we actually hinder them many times because we tend to say to people, well um ultimately at the end of the day calling should be more about you coming and working in full-time ministry regardless of where you are you know and so man no like it might but we should release people as as followers of Jesus like into the marketplace or into the public square or into education or wherever they've been assigned to for a season man we should be willing to like let them go and and just be totally emblazoned with the gospel to take it into the, the, the area to which they've been called. And, you know, so we got to get this right. Like we, we got to get this right as church leaders. Um, And more importantly, we got to get it right today because now we're dealing with a new generation. Uh, How old are you, Jared? I'm 32. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you're, you're right. You're on the cusp of the early millennials or, you know, you're a, you're a, you're an older, millennial mm-hmm. but like your generation and younger you're going to have probably 12 to 15 maybe more assignments mm-hmm. in your career that that will should reflect your calling if we don't understand this right we're going to have a just a schizophrenic generation that jumps from project to project and project to project and then all of a sudden they have no like riverbanks or, or runway or sense of, of, you know, proper North star direction to guide them. And this is a new reality because my dad and my dad's dad, you know, they kind of walked through life and they had sort of one, they probably had one job, mm. whether they, whether they liked it or hated it, you know, they, they didn't see the, the opportunity for multiple projects over the course of their career, like, you know, younger leaders do today. And, this is the this is just something new that's happening and you know, a lot of people are calling it the gig economy. It's the free agent market. It's mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, I don't look at career the same anymore. I look at career as a number of projects. And so all that is lining up with this idea again of man, we got to make sure these assignments have a proper perspective built into them that allows us to see the bigger picture.
1: There is so much gold in what you just said. I uh, love so much about what you said that in the church world in particular, we've got to release people to go work in the market, marketplace and that the there's not just one calling, which is ministry. And uh, Charles Neiman has a phenomenal talk about this called Kings and Priests, where it mm-hmm. talks about the necessity of both um, that there are people that are called to full time ministry, but there's also people with an equal calling that are called out into the workplace. Um, and that it, it, takes both to make this thing go to, to fulfill the great commission. Anyways, love what you said about that. C- follow-up question for you on this is when, when you left Catalyst, um, did you have to fight this at all of, of not letting your identity get wrapped up in, as you, as you put it as in, in Catalyst, Brad?
0: Oh gosh, man, that was the hardest thing. Like I... I struggled with it, and um, fortunately, I had I had the same guy who I had lunch with who said you're done. The the same guy, Steve Cochran, was also the same guy that I went over to visit him in London or in the UK um, during my sabbatical, and we had a ceremony to kill Catalyst Brad. Like we we were on the on the Thames River, uh, walking along, uh, and we stopped, and he said, "All right." It's time. And this was all the process for me of of walking through this transition. He said, "We're going to kill Callis Brad right now on the spot." And so we had like a moment, mm. and it was fun and it was funny. And you know, there I don't I won't give you all the details, but like we walked through that intentionally, and and I was able to um, to navigate what that felt like, what it what it what it meant. Um, I was concerned, Jared. Like I didn't know if anybody would still like me. I truly wow. didn't. like got all these people who called me and I was their best friend and, you know, I was the, I was the, the, the guy who got invited to all the cool parties and the white house. And, you know, I, I had a seat at the table
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the, of the highest levels of, of power, especially in the Christian leadership world. All of a sudden, man, who am I anymore? If I'm not Callous Brad, like, does anybody care? Does anybody wow. still want to talk to me? Does and, and it, was a, it was a hard, hard wrestle on a con- – it still is. Like it still is a difficult thing. And this is, this is so, so – the reason why so many people have a really hard time, especially those of us who, who navigate something for a while and we build equity into it in the sense that we steward something for long enough – that we we start our identity starts to get connected, and um, you know the 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 roots start to like tangle themselves and intersperse themselves into each other from the roots of identity and the roots of assignment. And man, when you when you have to walk away from that, it's really important that you do that um, with some intentionality. And if I wouldn't have had intentionality. Here's what I might be doing today. I might be trying to kill the thing I helped build.
1: Hmm.
0: Like I I might be the guy um, behind the scenes whispering, hey, like, man, don't go to Catalyst anymore because when I was there, it was awesome. And now like I'm really for it, but I'm really not. And I hope it just, I hope it dies. And I hope, and, and we see this so often with founders Um, With with you know with pastors with um, CEOs with people who get forced out all of a sudden the thing they help build like the thing they love the thing they um, put sweat so much sweat equity into all of a sudden they turn and they start to try to destroy it and it's so sad compared to like I'm the greatest fan of Catalyst still like I I love it like I love going I love just hanging out there and and being like an attendee and. I wanted to succeed because my leadership is is really based. My the legacy of my leadership is based on how it does once I left. Man, and if if we see that as our as our defining measure, what, how, how, that's the beauty of like succession. It's the beauty of passing the baton. That's the beauty of of legacy. And so, but man, if we don't figure out identity and properly like again line it up <laughs> correctly for our lives, then we'll just, we'll end up like being bitter. It's the Mm -hmm. kid who comes back to, you know, it's the kid who comes back to the high school football game while they're in college or, or post-college. And they want to just, they want everybody there to know that they once were the superstar. And you want to say to them, like, please move on. Like, would you please move on in life and, and quit living in the past and quit living the dreams of your, you know, your senior year. You're 27 now. Come on.
1: Man. That's so good. <laughs> so so good. And I know we're we're coming down on the close of time here and so I really want to want to jump in on specifically one thing and it ties right into this whole identity thing and you you touched on it just a little bit a second ago. But one thing you said in the book that is absolutely phenomenal is who you are determines what you do. Yeah. Why don't why don't you explain that just a little bit further?
0: Yeah, well, we and we were talking about it, you know, with the with the um, identity, calling and assignment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with with that idea of of uh, you know the the three parts of making the makeup of of who you are. But man, who I said it earlier, who determines your do? And if you're a young leader, like I tell young leaders this all the time, do not worry about the what. The what will mm. take care of itself. The, the what, and, and everything we do in life, in early life, like is all built around our what, like it's, it's, what are you going to major in?
1: Mm.
0: You know, what job are you going to get? Well, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And nothing wrong with that question, but we're, we're asking the wrong question, I think. And i I want, I want to ask young leaders, who are you becoming right now? Like who, who are you hanging out with? And, and who is not just you. It's, it's actually the people that are around you, so it's not just the working on yourself, but it's actually working on um, your tribe and your community and your 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 circle of friends and your spouse and your family and your extended family. You know, so I just I think the the people I I really admire are the ones that they figured that out early in life, and they they're they're what ended up like finding its own navigation system hmm. because what what happened is this Jared like their who their their circle ended up introducing them to the what so the people hmm. they hang they hung around ended up like being the fuel to figure out the the what in their life and again that doesn't always happen it can happen the other way your what can end up determining your who and your what can end up determining the who the, the the community you're a part of but I really do believe that if we'll focus on and this this also as a follower of Jesus like that that is your who like that mm-hmm. is the foundation and so man dig deep roots like build especially early in life like put those um put those foundational trusses deep down into the ground you know like because that character that that sense of your internal will end up giving you opportunities to reach far beyond in the external and you know you got to you got to dig the you got to dig the foundation early in life you got to you got to work on those things that will last because here's what'll happen if you don't you may find a what I mean this is what we're this is what we're wrestling with 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 a lot of church planters today is that you got a lot of church planters who didn't focus much on the who and they went after the, what they went after the, I'm going to, I have an opportunity now to go start my own thing, which nothing wrong with that again. I love it, but they, they didn't spend much time on the foundation of their, of themselves. Mm. And now one of the greatest issues for church planters is health. It's, it's man, I, my, I crashed my life. I, I, you know, my, my family is now in disarray. My spouse left me. I had a marital, I had, a, I had an affair. People on my team hate me. They don't want to work for me anymore. And we've, we, we' don't we can't fast forward or shortcut the process of who. We can fast forward what? But we cannot fast forward who? So focus in on that. If you're, 20, if you're in your 20s, spend that spend that like whole season of your 20s. Come out of, the, out of your 20s and go, man, my who is in place. I'm ready for the next 50 years.
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, so with that, one of the other things you say in the book is leading yourself is the first step to success, which ties beautifully right into this um, of establishing the who. So what – just super practically, what are some of those things that, that we should be focused on as young leaders? What are, what are some of those areas we should be leading ourselves in first?
0: Well, definitely spiritual development, uh, you know, discipleship, uh, what does it look like for you to, to set some goals of how do I become more like Jesus and and what does it mean to be for me to be a, you know, a, a greater man or woman of God like tomorrow and then next week and next month and, and this year and next year. And so that's the process of becoming more like Jesus in that, you know, that's, that's study, that's scripture, that's scripture memory that's, um, you know, what what habits are you putting in life? I mean, the greatest thing for so many of us to start doing is to put habits in place. And habits, you know, I mean, the book is like 20 habits. So mm. all of those habits, the 20 habits in the book are, are, for me, the ones that, again, when I look back on my early life and now looking forward, those are the ones that I said, these are the these are the ones you have to have in order to to lead well and finish well. Um, But I I mean, I think, I think, you know, I said it just a second ago, like figure out who you're going to do life with and establish not just, um, you know, your circle, but establish your circle of trust. And so many of us, we, we don't establish a circle of trust. We establish a circle because we just end up like figuring out, well, who my friends are that I like to hang out with, which that's, again, that's fine. But, man, figure out who you're going to trust over your course of your life. Who, who, do, you want to, who do you want to get to the finish line with? Um, a third thing would be, would be um, navigating, the, navigating the, the parts of who you are that you know need work. And this is not working on your weaknesses. There's a big difference between working on weaknesses and working on the areas that, that you need to become good at. And what I mean by that is this, like obviously spiritual development is, is, uh, is something that we have to work on. Um, weaknesses typically are, let's say you're, you didn't enjoy math in school. Well, that's just a wiring issue. Mm. So like you don't need to try to figure out how to be better at math necessarily over the course of your life. Um, but you do need to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I be a better encourager as an example? Um, what does it look like for me to be, to be the best possible expression of a team builder? Um, how do I become someone who is a curious learner? You know, what does it mean for me to, to get better as it relates to my standard of excellence? Like, how do I improve? How do I constantly improve um, and become an anticipator? You know, every great team and every great leader wants to have a teammate and people on their team who figure out how to get things done. They execute. They take things to the finish line. How do I, you know, so all the creative artists, all the folks who who believe that their greatest expression is ideation, man, like, okay, what does it look like for you to actually get things done? Like, how do you take the ball across the finish line? Execute on the ideas that you just came up with. I mean, that those are the kind of things that when I say, to a young leader, like, this is how you're going to get better. It has to be really practical stuff. It doesn't mean, well, I just, I want to look around and go, okay, I, I feel like I'm better than I was this past year. No, like take some areas in your life and figure out, like, have a list, have 10 or 15 things that you're working on this year Hmm. that you get to the end of the, of the year and go, did I, you know, did I, did I improve specifically in that area? Not just did I improve overall, generally. Thank you.
1: Man, there's so many so many rabbit trails we could go down with all of that. And, and unfortunately, we're out of time here. Uh, Brad, this has been incredible, incredible. Folks, if, if you haven't yet, go pick up a copy of H3 Leadership. I promise it'll be worth your while to, to read it or listen to it. Um, make sure to go get it. And Brad, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, whether for coaching or, or for whatever the case may be, what's the best way to go about that?
0: Yeah, I am Brad Lominick on all the outlets. So at Brad Lominick, B-R-E-D-L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, AOL, (laughs) uh, uh, MindSpring, Juno, um, carrier
1: Pigeons.
0: Carrier Pigeons, <laughs> yes. Uh, all MySpace, uh, you know, if anybody wants to hit me up on MySpace. No, that yeah. that's, that's the best way to get me. And then my blog is just my name, bradlamineck.com. And uh, folks can buy the book anywhere. And if, if somebody wants to email me, uh, they can figure it out. But it's really easy. It's just my name at Gmail. So I love, I love giving that out, not because I want everybody to email me, but because I want to be accessible. And that's... That's one of the the new rules of leadership today is if you're hiding behind, like, multiple people and gatekeepers and four assistants, I mean, give me a break. Come on. <laughs> it, the, those days are over. Like, yeah. you know, everybody expects to be able to reach out to people directly. So,
1: Yeah. Man, that's fantastic. Brad, thank you so much for taking your time today uh, and, and sharing with us. This has been an incredible interview. Thank you.
0: Loved it, Jared. Thanks, man.
1: Roman, I really love this interview. Brad had some amazing things to say. Like, what is your calling statement? What is your calling statement? His calling statement is to influence the influencers. So simple. That's really good. It's so simple. So, folks, that's our that's our action step for you. What's your calling statement? That's what I'm being challenged I know, I've with. I've got some
2: homework to do. I that's definitely sure. do too.
1: I do too. Uh, it, it's such a such a simple thing. Uh, I love it. And and how he breaks down that that that's his purpose. But how he's had these different assignments and that it's not even though the assignments have varied whether running the ranch uh being the ceo of catalyst writing this book and doing some consulting and speaking uh, his objective has always been to influence the influencers so even though the assignments have changed the calling or the purpose has never changed Uh, i love that so much Uh, so folks what is your calling statement what is your purpose uh, I would just challenge you to take some time, put some thought into it. What is, what's the common thread that you've seen throughout your life? What is that thing for you? Uh, and if you're listening, I would, would encourage you go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or really wherever you're listening to this so that you have first access to some of the amazing interviews that we have coming up for you. And, uh, you know, maybe leave a review if you don't mind. Yeah, a lot of people,
2: you know, a lot of people these days, they make their decisions on, on what they're going to listen to, what they're going to buy based on reviews. Think yeah. about Amazon. You know, they've got. They, I never buy a product without reading reviews. So, I mean, if you if, if if you would like to help us out, help us get more in front of more leaders, just like yourself, we would love if you could leave a review on iTunes.
1: That would just mean the world to us. It'd be awesome. And as Craig Rochelle says, leaders are never selfish. Leaders want to help everybody else get better because, as we all know, when the leader gets better, the whole organization gets better. So, leave a review. It helps us get in front of other people, or so we're told. Uh, and, folks, thanks for listening today. Keep listening. We'll keep making these. Appreciate it. We'll see you all next time. Farewell.